Welcome to Voices at Play, an actual play podcast focused on games by marginalized creators, played by marginalized people. Today, playing with me, we have M. Hi, I'm M. My pronouns are they, them, and I will be playing Luca, whose pronouns are he, him, and Mirabella, whose pronouns are she, her. You can find me on Twitter at SketchmouseArt or Instagram at SketchMouse. I do a lot of art and cosplay. Next, we have Rocket Orca. Hi, I'm Amber or Rocket Orca, and I use she, her pronouns. I'll be playing Neri Centralis, the jubilant, using she, her pronouns, and her familiar pearl, the caterpillar, using they, them. You can find me on Twitter at Rocket Orca. I'm part owner of the Geekspective Podcast Network, where my AP podcast Shapeshift is hosted, and you can find it and other podcasts I'm on at geekspective.com. And joining us, we have our second guest player, TK. Hey, it's me. It's TK. My pronouns are they, them, and I will be playing Inkame, whose pronouns are also they, them, and their familiar is Azira the Anaconda, who uses he, him. You can find me on Twitter, TK Joins the Fray, and almost everywhere else for TK has joined the fray because they let me have more characters there. And I'm Cass. My pronouns are she or they. And you can find me on Twitter at CassKDesigns where you can see me sort of talk about game design I'm working on and different games I'm releasing. So today I'm going to be your host and game master and we're going to be playing the game Familiars of Terra by Elizabeth Chai Pratikun of Angry Hamster Publishing. Familiars of Terra is a unique, card-based, tabletop RPG centered around the Seekers and their animal companions, following their calling and pursuing their destiny for better or worse. So, to start out, let's look at your characters a little bit more, um, because each of you, you have your character, your familiar, and then you have some promises you've made and titles you've and trophies you've earned so why don't we just kind of introduce each um person a little bit more em could you tell us a little bit more about your seeker okay um luca is a uh slate young man uh carries a messenger bag over one shoulder that carries way more books than it seems like it should be able to fit um he's probably uh has some dirt or mud on his hands as he's interested in ecology and uh, enjoys the study of plants. Um, the familiar that is usually um, either perched on top of his bag or is uh, marching in front of him is a pastel blue chicken named Mirabella. Um, she, has, she has a very uh, bold sort of personality and noble air about her. <laughs> And what are some of Luca's titles and trophies? Oh, uh, Luca, Luca's... One of his titles is a Fender, um, because that is the place he calls home. Um, and the other title is a Scholar, um, because he spent a lot of time researching certain subjects. And the trophy is actually that um, messenger bag, which is capable of hiding up to 50 kilograms of weight while retaining its shape um so luca sometimes refers to it as a mobile library 
Very cool. <laughs> Very useful for a scholar. Yeah. And uh, Amber, can you introduce us a little bit more to your seeker and some of their titles and trophies? Sure. Uh, Neri is in her early 20s, but the the first thing you notice about her is her height. They are very short. She's not quite five feet tall, which makes people think she's a lot younger than she is. Her skin is a light tan dusted with dark freckles that match the color of her extremely curly hair, which she keeps very, very short. Uh, she dresses like most of her fellow Inther people, uh, usually in formal, dark, muted colors. And she carries a large, well-worn knapsack. Um, her mother is actually from Indril, so her arms are layered in these earthenware beaded bracelets. Um, I can tell you about her calling is of beauty. She wants to bring beauty to the world and make it a better place. And her promises of nature. Uh, she wants to coax nature back to life where the world has fallen bare. Um, her titles is of Inther, because she's from Inther. Her father's from there. Um, and her calling and her promise is based around that. You know, many succumb to this disease called waste lung and Inther. And so she's she's looking for a way to help that. And maybe plants can help filter out, you know, pollution and that. And she's seen life growing in places where it really shouldn't be possible. And that's how she found her familiar pearl. Uh, so while she was scrapping, she pulled a piece back of junk away from the ground and found this small white caterpillar curled up on a leaf and was absolutely 100% drawn to it and had to take it home. It's not at all like the dinosaur familiars that other Inther people have, so it's kind of odd that she's taken on this tiny little worm, essentially. Um, Pearl can be very, very shy, but when faced with a challenge, absolutely stubborn. Very cool. And TK, can you tell us a little bit more about your seeker and their familiar? Uh... And Kame, they are, they're, they're more middle-aged, um, much older than most Seekers going out on some of their first adventures. Uh, they're from Ratha, so their titles are Of Ratha and The Scourge. Um, they have a calling of fortune. Uh, there's very much like this idea that they want, they won't stop until they've created the, the future that they really want for themselves. Um, they are lanky with definitely uh, the beginnings of a pot belly forming. And they wear very, uh, very ostentatious clothing, but the tatters in it, the, the rough patches, the dirt on the hems, you can kind of tell that this is probably the nicest thing they own, but also one of the only things they own. So... Uh, Azira, on the other hand, is a, a massive anaconda um, and easily double the size of any quote unquote normal anaconda that you would see. Very wide, very thick, very, very long. Um, and the two of them are sort of they're sort of on their on a little mission uh, just of their own making, I suppose. Awesome. So the three of you are seekers, and so you travel around the land trying to help people recover from the war and trying to um, help out and sort of bring healing wherever you can. And you were called rather urgently to a city in Amirland, and the city is Delian, down in the very south, um, and you weren't exactly sure why you'd been summoned until you got to the city 
and you found that it was wrecked in many places by a giant earthquake. And when you came in, you could see that this city that's known for its glass and steel sort of towering skyscrapers had shattered in many places. And you, perhaps expecting to help people recover, were surprised when a magistrate pulled you aside and brought you into what looks like a very narrow, dark, kind of dank alley, very much hidden away. Uh, you can see that he's very worried. There's tense lines in his face, and he's sort of uh, clutching his hands. He has a little mouse kin on his shoulder that's just running up and down his shoulder and kind of sniffing everywhere. Uh, and he says, you got here You got here just in time. I hope I hope it's not too late. Has Has anyone told you what we need? Uh, no, you're the first person that we've seen here so far. He, you're the first person to grab us. He nods and says, good, good. There's, we've heard that a temple of one of the ancient monarchs was unearthed in the earthquake. Uh, we think there, there's some artifacts that could help us. Um, we, we want to make peace with the Waterlands, and if we bring them this gift, perhaps they'll listen to us. But we've gotten word that there's some foreign agents who are already making their way to the temple. And... Well, you can see we, we need to, to clean up here. We, we don't really have any spare people, but we need someone to go down and try and recover the artifacts before they're stolen. Neri's pulling out her little pad of paper, <laughs> making a note. Artifacts, <laughs> relics. Uh, where, where is these, where's this uh, temple at? How much further from here? As you ask that, the ground shakes a little bit. Um, and the mouse starts squeaking, the mouse can, uh, and he, he says, um, Silverpaw can show you it's, well, it's near where the shaking is. I'm, I'm needed elsewhere. And you can see he's sort of like edging away and looking around as if in fear, but, but Silverpaw can, can show you. Um, and the, the little mouse can like squeaks a little bit at him and then kind of squeaks at you and like waves a paw. Uh, towards you, Luca. Luca will hold out a hand in case the little mouse needs fried. Yeah, the mouse like like hops. so that the mouse can like just run onto his hand. The mouse hops onto your hand. Um, and as soon as that's happened, the man um says something quietly to the mouse and then starts sprinting and uh down the alley and back towards the main square. And the little mouse makes a little like towards uh. His is familiar, but then uh, looks up at you, and its tail sort of twitches, and the ground starts shaking again. Wow. That was odd. <laughs> is there anything nearby that you can grab onto? <laughs> he's kind of freaked out by the earth shaking. Uh, I imagine there's like a dumpster, and it's probably on wheels, so it sort of is squeaking a little bit and rolling <laughs> a little. Oh, no. He's going to grab that and then just start rolling away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the mouse sort of tugs a little bit on your sleeve and, like, points down deeper into the alley. Oh, that way? <laughs> I think, I think, uh, Silverpaw wants us to go this way, everybody. Uh, he sort of squeaks directions, um, taking you deeper into the alley, and as you're going, you can see that it seems that these skyscrapers are less hurt by the earthquake 
but everything feels deserted. You don't see anyone sort of in the alley near you. You don't see anyone looking down from the windows. You get kind of that eerie, deserted feel until where the alley ends, you see it looks as if the earth has split apart and there's sort of rubble that's uh, skidded down into the darkness. Don't love it. (laughs) You should have asked for a torch, maybe. Well, um, uh, so Pearl uh, starts to glow a little bit and uh, starts to light up the darkness. Uh, So Pearl has the trait of glow. And so uh, they can shed a bioluminescent glow that can dim the darkness or can dim the darkness or raise to brightness of day at will. So we have we have a source of light. Uh, as the glow goes down from your, your caterpillar, uh, you see what looks like eyes for a second. And then you hear paws running down deeper into the earth. Don't love that. <laughs> So we, we, we did all just see something blink at us. That wasn't just me, right? There was definitely eyes. Well, I suppose that there are treasures and artifacts to be had down there. What's Silverpaw doing? Silverpaw is staring at your caterpillar. Um, <laughs> and I think it's trying to sort of, you see it staring at it, like it's trying to decide if it's dangerous or food. Oh, no, 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 no. I I slowly turn my hand that's holding Pearl away from the mouse. (laughs) It's incredibly rude. Familiars eating familiars? Hmm. I'm protective of Pearl. Inkame does say that it's incredibly rude, but let's be honest, Azira's hardcore eyeing this mouse. Uh, I think that. I think throughout all of this, Mirabelle demands to be picked up because she doesn't like that the mouse gets to be carried and she doesn't. <laughs> uh, I think Silverpot is now staring at Zira as if, like, noticing the snake for the first time and mm. tries to climb up onto Luca's head. Yeah. Oh. Zira's a big old boy. I. I- I guess you can hide up there. Just don't fall off. Um, Do you suppose we're ought to go down into this hole? I I think so. That's where the temple is. Although, uh, are, is there any way, like, Luca's going to look around to see if there's any um, obvious stairs or if anybody left, like, something, a way to get down? Uh, Inkame will snap and point down into the hole and then... Uh, I would like for Azira to be able to, like... Is it possible for Azira to use their treacherous trail to create... What they do for their trail is that they they have, like, this, like, constant snakeskin peeling off of them. I would like to see if we could use it as a rope. Is that a, is that a possibility? Ooh. Yeah, for sure. Luca wants to go ahead and do, let me see, an awareness check while Azira is starting to make this snakeskin rope. Nice. Oh, I didn't make it. I drew a king. <laughs> um, and my awareness is uh, on nine, but a king is definitely higher. Um, I think you are looking around in the rubble and you don't see any path down. But you see something that looks like a very big clawed footprint in some of the, like, 
dirt of the rubble. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> is it tight, like tight, a, tight. a size like in comparison to a normal animal or? Um, it is. If you imagine, uh, I'm trying to think. Let's say maybe a meter across. What huge? That's why you can see it even with a king result. Luca <laughs> just looks at this giant paw print. Looks over at the others. I think I found something else you're not going to like. <laughs> no, thank you. Mm. I prefer to ignore setbacks. Thank you. So, uh, how quickly does Azira shed skin? Um, I don't know. So, like, the mechanics for this say that they may use this trait at will once per hour, and the trail lasts for 1d6 rounds. So, I have I have questions. <laughs> yeah. Like, how long is a round? Um, a round really only comes into play, I think, when we're doing combat. So I would say 1d6 minutes would maybe make sense. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. So we'll say it probably, it probably takes her, um, she, she, or he's a, he's a big old boy. Um, it probably takes him about five minutes to, to make enough rope for it to be, to make enough snakeskin to like be twisted into a rope and used. So, Neri and Luca, what are you doing while the snake is making this rope for you? Um, so, Neri will go over to the footprint or paw print and can, can I make some sort of, like, discern, like, maybe what kind of creature, depending on, like, what the pad looks like or if it's it hoofed, is it, you know, is it a mammal or is it, what is it? Um... That's kind of what she's doing. She's looking harder at this, trying to discern maybe what kind of creature made this footprint. Uh, that sounds like wit. You're kind of puzzle solving. Okay, so my wit's seven. Let's see what I get. I got a king. <laughs> it's definitely an animal print, and it's well. big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Great. Well, sure is an animal. <laughs> I like to think that Nkame is definitely like a micromanager, so is definitely like looking over their shoulders like, hmm, are you certain you know what you're doing? I, um, maybe not, apparently. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm more familiar with plants. Yeah, same. I'm, uh, but Luca's gonna like take a picture of the paw print for uh, posterity. With the little MD on his wrist. I love it. Do you have Mirabelle for like size comparison in the photo? Oh my uh, gosh, that's so where? cute. <laughs> Can I put uh, Pearl on top of Mirabelle's head? Wait, don't eat. Don't eat Pearl. <laughs> but I want them in the picture together. All right. Uh, so you you take your picture. And I think Aziri's finished making this uh, snakeskin rope. If you want to roll a 1d6 to see how long you have to use this rope to get down. All right. <laughs> you gotta go fast. <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> I don't know how long you said that this game would take, but I want you to cut it down by like three hours because we're going to die. <laughs> uh, so you have two minutes. Um, I mean, you think a uh, snakeskin rope, maybe not the most sturdy thing to climb down. Um, but I think, let's see, um, I think this is probably just if you each want to do an agility test to see how climbing down goes for you. Rough. Oh, okay. All, this all, is, all, uh, all of us? Okay. I, 
I will oh, say, if you have a familiar, okay. If your familiar can help you, that you can always use their agility. I. <laughs> this I have is not Lucas wit- strong point. <laughs> I have a ten agility, so let's see how this oh, goes. Oh dang! Wow. I have an eight. Eight. Oh. I have an eight. I drew eight of, eight of hearts. So, Kame, you get down very nimbly. Perhaps this is not your first time using snake ropes. Um, you're able to scurry right down. How do the, the other two of you do? Uh, Niri's uh, agility is nine, and I drew a four. You are also very nimble, scurrying into the, the darkness. With, well, I guess your caterpillar sort of lighting the way as you go. Mm-hmm. And I've scrapped. I'm a scrapper. Yeah. Luca knows what his athletic capabilities are and seems very nervous about this. But he's going to put, um, like, pick up Mirabella, put her in the hood of his jacket and start climbing down. And I drew, oh, I drew an ace. That's a good day for Luca. (laughs) So that's under my agility of five. (laughs) Excellent. So ace in this game for anyone who's a familiar counts as a one. So that is the best card you can draw. Nice. We survived. (laughs) All right. So you all are able to get down. And I imagine just as you're reaching sort of the bottom of this sharp descent, the snakeskin starts sort of crumbling. And with your, your glowing caterpillar pearl, you can see that you're in a wide room paved with green stonework. You notice that it doesn't seem like the, the stonework down here has been disturbed by the earthquakes at all. But you get hit with the smell of decay, like uh, dead plants or weeds. And even though it's this very large room, you notice as you sort of move around, it seems to swallow up all sound. There's no echo anywhere. And right in front of you is a pedestal with a large golden statue And you see it's a woman who's leading two cows. One is fat and very healthy looking, shiny eyes. And the other is just skin and bones. Um, And then beyond it, you see is this, the far wall is just open. And you sort of see it fading into darkness. What do you do? Have you, either of you ever seen statues like these? Um, No, never. No, not in my recollection. Could this be an artifact that... Silver Paws owner talked about potentially. I, these are are these like small statues or large statues? I'd say it's a lifelike size. Oh, okay, then never mind. <laughs> they could they could be an artifact, but we're definitely not going to get them back nope. up there. We we might want to look something pocket sized. I mean, how big is how big is the snaky boy? Could swallow. Oh, I imagine. I imagine Snakey Boy is about uh, Azira is probably roughly Arbok from Pokemon sized, but longer, like Anaconda ish. <laughs> Maybe so, like that tall, but Anaconda proportioned. I'm just gonna assume this isn't one that we're gonna take back. Yeah, it seems <laughs> mounted on there pretty well. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh what else can we see in here besides the these enormous things that we can't really um carry up a carry up a snake skin rope? Um in this first room it everything else seems empty. You can see in the far wall it seems to be the doorway, 
and that's the direction you can smell like the dead plants coming from. Ooh, gross. Mm. Uh, and Kame will step out of the way for somebody else who can actually see in the dark to lead. Oh, that's, I guess that's me. Um, I will start to walk towards the decay slowly and quietly. Remind me, who is the mouse sitting on? Last I checked uh, on Luke's head. Okay. <laughs> as um, uh, a way to try and hide from Viziri. <laughs> So, Neri, as you start walking, you feel the ground, like, clicking under your feet a little bit. And you can feel huh. that the stones are rattling. Oh, like moving under my feet almost? Yeah. I stop moving. <laughs> and slowly turn back and go to Silverpaw. Is this the right way? And pointing towards the decay smell. Uh, Silverpaw jumps down from Luca and runs around like the side of the room, giving as much distance to the statue as possible, and then sort of waits okay. on the other side. Well, I guess we're going to follow Silverpaw, and so I'll follow the same kind of path that he he made. So when you get... Yeah, Luca will also follow. Uh, when you get to the other side and Pearl sort of lights up the room, um, you can see it's a large, even larger room. And you can hear what sounds like gears turning and clanking metal hmm. and like the sound of a waterfall. But all you see before you is this very thick jungle. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Oh, um, Mirabel, can you help with this? Um, and the, the chicken is going to kind of strut in front of Luca and spread out her wings and um she's a pastel blue kind of chicken and the edges of her like wing feathers look almost sharp so um because she had one of her traits is cut so she can kind of run through foliage and leave a path for us i'm scared of your murder chicken <laughs> <laughs> like a lawnmower yeah like, like a lawnmower yeah she's just imagine her doing like like a running and flapping kind of motion and leaving <laughs> like a, a basically a hole in the jungle for us to go through. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and Kame and Azira just sort of like exchanging a glance, like, oh, <laughs> yes, you won't be eating this one either. I'm sure Uncommon like shrugs their shoulders, just like you could try. I suppose I, I won't tell you what you can and can't try to eat. <laughs> I imagine Aziri gives Mirabelle a very considering look. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you sort of sort of see it, like, maybe turning the head each way a little bit as the little chicken wings, like, cut through some of the nearby vines. 100%. Like, it's just like, hmm, maybe not, though. Uh, as your chicken starts cutting a little bit into the vines, I think that, Neri, you probably see the, the most clearly. There is definitely a flattened path like something large has sort of lumbered through and angling towards the left and sort of disappearing uh towards the left wall hmm well there is this path over here we could go through it but maybe we should not follow in the wake of a giant creature what do you guys think and I turn to the red leg. Well, at least if we follow its path, we'll know where it has been. We might also end up in its den, won't we? 
if we're not already in its den, this whole thing could be its den. <laughs> That's true. We don't exactly know how large a den it requires. That is a good question, though. I'd like to, uh, Inkame would like to look around and see if there are telltale signs of, like, an animal living in this area. Besides, like, the giant path, like, uh, fur on the trees or anything like that. Uh, it sounds like you're investigating, so that'll be an awareness check. Neato Cheeto, my awareness is nine. Oh, no. Well, rip. <laughs> I got a queen of spades. So. Oh, no. Um... That's uh that's rough. It's so, rough, buddy. Um a comment, you're moving a little bit into the room to sort of look around and you're seeing and you see the, the trampled path that leads to the left, and you're noticing that it seems like there's pretty much an entrance on either wall. There's the one towards the left, the right, and straight ahead. And as you're, you know, bending down to study, you see something kind of gleaming under a vine. Uh, Luca, I imagine you're the one that notices from the far wall, you suddenly see three fluffy golden things skittering up the wall. And you see one launching itself towards Nakame. Oh, no. Uh, Luca's gonna panic and go, watch out! And then, like, you know, point up at whatever is now f- launching itself. That's that's for the best, because Nkame definitely didn't notice. Nkame was definitely, <laughs> like, looking at, like, a rock or something and just, like, stroking their chin, like, this is a jungle. <laughs> just like a... <laughs> we are surrounded by trees. <laughs> um uh yeah, do I do I notice that something's like barreling towards me? I think you suddenly feel a thump on your back and Oh cool. Luca and Neri, I think you get the closest view because Nakame can't really see what's on their back right away, and it looks like a golden lion tamarind monkey. So that's a monkey with like fluffy gold fur and a little tiny face. Um, and it grabs Nakame's like back of the clothes with one and then starts just sort of smacking you on the head with its tiny little paw. Um, I deserve this. And like monkey screaming <laughs> at you. Oh no. Oh, this is could could some please this is the worst please <laughs> some assistance please mm-hmm. uh, uh. <laughs> i imagine it's like got on in kame's ears and it's just like trying to put its little poof monkey fingers in their oh, nose and no. stuff it's like please uh-huh. this please this creature take it someone <laughs> luke's gonna try to pull the monkey off uh, Lucas, so you're like, trying no. to pull it off. Um, Neri, you see that you see the other two golden fluffy shapes launch themselves, and two fluffy monkeys land on Luca and start oh, no. just oh, trying to God. pull out Luca's pockets and are like smacking Luca. Not hard; it's just like little smacks. Their paws and they're like grabbing <sighs> everything. Oh, please oh, stop! Oh, I don't no. have any treats. Oh no! 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 <laughs> Which. <laughs> Which is not true. Luca probably does have treats for Mirabelle. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, can I... 
uh, so so Neri's panicking and doesn't know what to do. Uh, she looks up into the, like the foliage. Is there any sort of like f- food I can figure out that they like might have like fruit trees or something? I don't know. I'm trying to distract them with food. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a banana? Is what I'm asking. Is there a banana around here? <laughs> we have no choice. We have to burn this jungle to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as you're looking around frantically, you suddenly, it's like there's just fruit everywhere, and you don't, it kind of reeks, like it's, most of it smells kind of gross, but you see different, uh, like, red and purple and, like, magenta pink fruits sort of buried in the vines, and make me a wit test to guess what the monkey would like. Okay. Oh, gosh. I have a seven wit, and I pulled a a jack. (laughs) No! <laughs> please feed it anything <laughs> if it kills it it's fine oh I can't figure out what it wants I'll just give it everything <laughs> choose anything preferably something poisonous <laughs> uh, so you start smashing these like reeking fruits on the monkeys and it one of them grabs it and throws it back at you and you just get like splattered in the face and another no. one starts screaming, and you see on the far wall where they came from, like, four more orange fluffy creatures sort of are crawling up the wall. No. No. I've, I've got this. I've got this. So as as panic, you know, the f- the fruit hitting Neri's face, kind of like, like a s- splash of water. It's like, okay, you know what? Let me just gather as much fruit as possible, and pearl, pearl. Dear sweet Pearl, please, maybe she can restore this food. Um, she has a trait that uh, I can purify items or food, making it safe to eat or drink. So maybe she can restore it to like appetizing for the monkeys. Yeah, I think Pearl focuses. What does it look like when Pearl restores something? So she already is naturally glowing. Um, and so the glow changes from like a white, it grows even brighter white. So she gets onto the piece of fruit and she'll crawl through it. And you can see like the light going through the fruit as she crawls off the other side. And as she does it, it restores, uh, it restores the fruit to, to ripeness. Hopefully that's the plan at least. Yeah. I think as uh, that happens, <laughs> you're holding on this fruit and suddenly you notice that the reeking smell is like going down and it's replaced by sort of that like fruity fresh smell and um i think we get a shot of like there's a monkey that has grabbed akame's hair at this point and it's still like the hair but suddenly like its head looks over at you it just kind of turns around and you suddenly you have all the monkeys are just staring at this fresh fruit you're holding this is most unseemly please assist me (laughs) No, I was just imagining Luca's been like trying to pull a monkey off of Nagame while having one attack his head, and Mirabelle's just been running around like trying to cluck at them. <laughs> and this has been the scene while Pearl has uh, been purifying the fruit. It's just madness. It is madness. Yeah, I th- I throw the fruit away down the <laughs> so that they go after it. Hopefully, get it. It's for you. Uh, all the monkeys are running after the fruit and you see the ones that were on the wall sort of jump down into the jungle and go after it. And I think we like, the shot moves over and we see Silverpaw is sitting there holding one of the nice fruits 
And he's just like <laughs> clutching it to his stomach and starting to sort of nod at like my stew. And Kame makes direct eye contact with Azira. <laughs> what was Azira doing during all this? This is how you chose to spend your time just watching me be attacked. Disrespectful. So there's this moment of sudden like slight peace. You can hear the monkeys still chittering and like the sound of them eating. Um, you can see there's the area they came from and you see the far wall is this metal gate. Um, there's still the crushed path leading off to a door on the left. And then there's sort of an open archway on the right. Where would you like to go? Does it sound like there are more mon- monkeys coming from the archway? Um, you know, how about you do an awareness test to see if you can uh, why? Pull, the, pull the noises <laughs> apart? I'm concerned. <clears throat> I mean, gosh darn it. It's a queen of hearts. <laughs> no, it's cool. Things are going great. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are sounds of monkeys sort of echoing around the jungle and you still hear the sound of water somewhere and grinding gears. And I think as you're listening and sort of looking around, you notice that Izuri is focused on a far wall. And when you look over, you see a large silhouette that vanishes as soon as you look at it. Mm, don't mm. love that. Uh, uh, Inkame will look at Azira and then look at their companions and just... After you. <laughs> <laughs> we, have we seen the silhouette? Because if not, Luke is just going to be like, well, okay, it makes sense. Maribel's <laughs> got sharp wings and go ahead. <laughs> Like, like, Kame has never steered me wrong before. <laughs> I, I totally trust this whole situation. And Kame would never do something so selfish. <laughs> but Luca is going to go ahead and clear a path. Oh, thank <laughs> with, goodness. With the chicken. Because <laughs> I assume there's like a silent stare down for a second and it's like... Uh, so Nagami, did you sort of point Luca in the direction? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, um, uh, after you, my good sir. Uh, so I, I imagine Mirabelle's doing like a, a chicken jump up and flap wings, sort of cutting through. Um, and as Mirabelle's cutting through everything, you can see that it, under sort of the vines is a great, like, uh, floor. And under that, you can see glimpses of gears turning. Um, but as you continue through, you get to the sort of shadowy archway and you pass a large pack of monkeys. You guess by now there's probably about 20 of them and they're all like Mm. eating the food and fighting over it and grabbing each other's fur. Buka turns around and is, you know, puts the finger to lips, just like (laughs) gesturing wildly at this group of monkeys to not disturb them. No, thank you. Just, just making sure we all know there's more. Inkame walks on the other side of Zira. <laughs> <laughs> Luca, Silverpaw at some part crawled back up into your hair and is still chewing fruit like while perched on your head. Oh, there's going to be... I'm going to have juice all over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so as you get to the archway, and I imagine Pearl is still shining mm-hmm. with caterpillar light, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you see the room 
looks almost like an abandoned marketplace. There's stone platforms and wooden stalls that seem to be made of petrified wood. And you hear this constant hissing sound and feel like sudden humidity in the air. And sort of to the side in one of the wooden stalls, you hear something rustling. <sighs> Do you think it's more of the monkeys? Oh, God, I hope not. Uh, or maybe it could be something worse. Uh, hey, maybe we should have a silver paw go check it out. <laughs> Here's, there's okay. a thought. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think it's kind of interesting how all of this is down here. Did, did they ever know that there was like a whole other city below them? That's what this looks like. Maybe not. Huh. Luke is going to go check out the stall. <laughs> 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 I don't love it, but I will accompany you. <laughs> I guess I'll follow. You look at you're walking towards the stall, and suddenly you notice that Silverpaw uh, has run down from your head and hidden like in your collar. And you step around to the stall, and you see there is a large pterodactyl like shuffling through a stack of books <laughs> and it turns and oh. it looks right at you cool 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 tight <gasps> you've been listening to voices at play building a table for everyone things aren't over yet so please join us for the next episode if you've enjoyed the game we're playing and it sounds like it might be a good fit for you please check the links in the show notes and on our website where you can find a direct route to order a copy for yourself and get playing today. Voices at Play is completely not-for-profit, but it does incur costs. This show is brought directly to you by the generosity and support of listeners like yourself who support us on our Patreon. $1 pledges are the lifeblood that make this project work, so if you're able, please head over to patreon.com forward slash voices at and pledge to join our little community, working to make the tabletop role-playing space a more diverse, vibrant, and inclusive place for all. Until next time, we'll just keep on playing.